Good morning. Anybody excited to be here this morning? <laughs> Anybody excited to be here this morning? There we go. There we go. Because we know that where we are, the Spirit of the Lord is, right? Right. And if the Spirit of the Lord is here, that means that there is liberty. Amen. Amen. I love the song that we were just singing that says, we're not ashamed of you. We're not ashamed of you. Because sometimes we are ashamed even when we say that we're not ashamed. Because it shows itself in our praise and it shows itself in our worship. But right now there is a spirit of liberty and we proclaim, God, we are not ashamed of you. We're not ashamed of your glorious gospel because it is power unto salvation for all who believe. Is there anybody with me this morning? (sighs) Calm down, Jay. Calm down. We hadn't even gotten into the word yet. As you can tell, I'm excited. Okay, I'm I'm usually excited when I get a chance to uh, to share kind of what's on my heart. Um, And this is good. This is a challenging word. Uh, it, it was challenging for me even, you know, so much to the point that, like yesterday as I'm trying to go over my message, I, I'm looking at my notes and I'm like, where did all this stuff even come from? And so I, I sent Pastor TJ a message and I'm like, those moments where you're getting ready to preach a message the next morning and like you can't remember anything on your paper. <laughs> yeah, that was me. It, 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 it's hard sometimes. But when I was younger, Sprite, these people had a, a series of commercials. Uh, they have this entire advertising campaign that I thought was like really, really cool because, you know, it was kind of urban and kind of street and kind of gritty. Uh, they had the cool music going behind it. And, and the name of, uh, of this advertisement campaign at the end, they'd always say, Obey Your Thirst, Sprite. Okay? Now, of course, we're talking about Obey Your Thirst on the screen, of course. Uh, but there was one particular commercial that came to my mind uh, as I started thinking about this, and it, it stars uh, Kobe Bryant and Tim Duncan. I don't know how many basketball fans we have in the place. Amen. Because um, I, I love basketball. Amen. But it stars Kobe Bryant and Tim Duncan in this commercial, and it's only 30 seconds, and I know that Pastor TJ is a huge Kobe Bryant fan, and so is Big Mike. So in their honor, okay, I just want to show this quick 30-second clip if you'd hit that up for us. I'm the Tim. And he ain't front end, drives the rock, and he'll show you something. Kobe. Brian. Slam dunk giant. I'll play the Kobe, son, don't try it. <laughs> it's Kobe and Tim, both games are tight. Grab a choice like they grab a sprite. Game action like movie son. Obey and nurse with Missy Sports and Point. Obey the nurse. Right. See, doesn't that just make you want to bob your head? Yeah, like for real, man. It's, it's awesome. But when Pastor Gene asked me to preach this Sunday morning, uh, I went through several different things. The Holy Spirit gave me quite a few things, actually. Uh, but we eventually settled on this idea of obey your thirst. And so this question presented itself to me, and it wouldn't leave me alone. The question was simply this. What does it mean to obey your thirst? Now, it'd be easy to say, obey your thirst, drink Sprite, Sprite just wants you to drink Sprite, so it's saying, you know, obey your thirst, drink Sprite. But if this were my classroom, I would say that's too easy. There has to be something else to it. Because uh, Sprite really could have said, quench your thirst, and we would have gotten the message, right? Like, Sprite quenches your thirst, so when you're thirsty, drink Sprite. There's a reason that they used 
the word obey because this word obey just kept sticking with me, man. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't let me go. And so I did what any person thirsting for knowledge would do. I looked on the internet because we know the internet is always right. But obey is a verb, which means it's an action. It's something that we do. Obey means to comply with the command, request, or direction of. So basically, somebody says it, you do it. Okay? That's what obedience is. That's what it means to obey. Now, that begged to another question because it seemed to me that Sprite was saying to us that you need to comply with the commands that your thirst is giving you and give your thirst Sprite. Hmm. Is my thirst really strong enough to command me to do something? Now, I know that we have some strong-headed people in here who might say, yeah, my thirst, mm-mm, you don't know my thirst. My thirst can't tell me nothing. My thirst tries to tell me, but I'm like, uh-uh, that ain't what I want. But the truth of the matter is, our thirst is more powerful than we realize. We're going to unpack that uh, a little bit today. And, of course, I begin to think about this fact of, so if we were really obedient to our thirst, what would we drink? But then that question kind of reshaped itself and it said, if we were really obedient to our thirst, what should we drink? And yes, I know that this is a metaphor. Okay, Jesus taught metaphors. And, and we know that Jesus Christ is the living water, right? Right? Right. Well, if you didn't know, now you know. Amen. We know that Jesus Christ is the living water and he's the only one that can truly quench our thirst. But I'm going to go a little bit more scientific this morning as we talk about this. So I want you all to come with me. Now, I think this is so important. We have to understand this. It can't just be head knowledge that Jesus is the living water. It has to be heart knowledge because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? The mouth speaks. So we have to take it from here to here and quit saying, I know Jesus is the living water and believe and live our lives like Jesus is the living water because Jesus said that he came so that we might have life and life more abundantly. Now, I don't know about you this morning, but I can use more abundance in my life. I'm not talking about the physical stuff because I trust God to handle that stuff, but I can use more abundance spiritually, like uh, boldness for when God tells me to go pray for somebody, I'm not wondering if I look stupid. That's just me being honest with you this morning. I need more abundance. And as we were over the course of this message, as the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, it was like he was saying, yo, Jay, I want to upgrade you. Let me upgrade you. So I'm saying to you this morning, the Holy Spirit is saying to us all, I want to upgrade you. Let me upgrade you. Anybody want to be upgraded this morning? Make some noise. Come on. I believe that when God upgrades our lives, we think more about what we drink. And when we think about what we drink and we drink the right stuff, it manifests in a positive way that allows us to really see what the abundance of Christ is. Now, how many of you all have ever, like, just really been thirsty? You can raise your hands. It's okay. That's only a few people who've ever really been thirsty. I guess y'all just really be hydrating, right? Like last week, Pastor Gene talked about hydration and how important it was. Uh, he talked about how athletes, when uh, they're going into a contest, they have to begin the hydration process at least one day before 
Uh, and some of y'all who played sports probably know that. Because when you, if you wait until the contest has already started to jump in and start trying to hydrate and get your water intake up, it's too late. Because you're already involved, your muscles and bones are already involved in it, and, and, and you're operating at a deficit, so you have to start earlier. And I remember, because now, you know, we are sports parents, and Caleb is playing third grade football for the first, uh, for the first time this year. And so their first game last week was against Joplin. And um, I remember, uh, because I was working the sticks on the, uh, on the field, and we were on the Joplin side of the field, and I remember that by the third and fourth quarter, the Joplin students, they had five or six guys sitting on the bench, chugging water, chugging Gatorade, trying to find some type of relief. They were so miserable because it was hot, yeah, but they were also cramping. And they were so miserable that, you know, the coach came down and the coach kind of had a little attitude. He was mad. Uh, I mean, they were winning, but he was still mad. And he was like, if any of you guys want to play, I want you to follow me down here to where the rest of the team is. And he looked around and nobody moved. He looked at me, I just said, but thirst is important. And we know that thirst begins on a cellular level because our cells need water to help the body maintain some type of balance. It helps the cell to get the energy to do the things that the, our cells are needed to do to keep us as an entire body healthy. But let's look at this chart. This table, I'm a teacher, right? So I use charts and tables. So we know that our bodies are 60% water. But let's break that down a little bit, okay? Because our brain and our heart, both very, very important to us, are made up of 73% water. Lungs, also very important, 83% water. Skin, also pretty important, right? 64% water. Muscles and kidneys, 79% water. Besides that, or in addition to that, water aids us in breaking down protein and carbohydrates. So like when you eat more of those good rolls than you should, maybe I'm the only one that has that problem. Water can help speed up the breakdown of those things. But also, water is what our joints use to lubricate them, to keep them functioning. Anybody ever had like a squeaky door hinge or something like that? had to put some oil onto it. Water is oil for our bodies. It's, it's just that important for us. Now, I know some of y'all are sitting here like, yeah, that's, that's cool, you know, but by a show of hands, I'm just curious. How many of you still don't like water? Like the way it tastes and... See, that, that's good, that's good. But, I mean, you really can't refute science because science also says that uh, a diet that is rich in water leaves a healthy person. And I remember uh, last year, I tried going through a period where I drank a gallon of water uh, every day. Like I'd gotten so good with it that I could drink that entire gallon like by lunchtime. Then I knew I could have like a soda after lunch. I was happy about it. But the problem is, the problem is that no matter how good your students are when you're in there, when you're in and out like 50 million times because you drank too much water, stuff tends to happen. So I had to kind of jettison that uh, quickly. But I will say that I felt so good when I had that water in my system. Like I was, you know, man, I, I, just, I was energized. I wasn't fatigued. And that was just off of regular water. But our lives are driven by thirst. 
And I would say that thirst is an even more powerful uh, pull for us than hunger is. Because if I'm hungry, sometimes I can drink something. And that something can take away my hunger. But if I'm thirsty, you can feed me until I am stuffed. I'm still going to be thirsty. Because even though we pull water from the food that we eat naturally, it's not enough to sustain us. And we also know that water can sustain us even if we don't have food for an even longer amount of time that we can go for food without water. So thirst is very, very important. So if my body's thirsty, I need something to drink. And Jesus says in John 7, 37, this. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And so here we have this blueprint. Jesus comes right out and he minces no words and he says, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. But the problem is, instead of going to Jesus, we tend to go into many different areas. Like, and we have all of these different thirsts, but the fulfillment of all of our thirst is in Jesus. But many times we know that, but we still, we have these thirsts for approval and for confirmation. And we want to feel pretty. We want to look strong. We want to be accepted by our peers. And those are thirsts that we go off in other directions other than Jesus to take a hold of those things. And the problem that comes, up, that comes with that is that when we begin to chase other things beside God, besides Jesus, to quench our thirst, we become like the Israelites, walking in the desert for the rest of our lives, trying to figure out why my life is so out of control. When Jesus is right there saying, hey, I said, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. So this takes us to our first point. First, we have to recognize our thirst. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sichar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to drink to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you the living water. Now we know this story. We've heard it over and over again in our lives. Jesus is thirsty. He's just been walking across the desert. His feet are dusty, you know. I bet those Air Jesus sandals that he was wearing didn't offer any arch support. So, you know, if he was like me and he was flat-footed, then he probably needed a foot rub, too. Like, if that were me, I would have been tweeting Peter, like, Peter, get your basin ready. I need my feet rubbed and watch when y'all get back from the store. But either way, he's thirsty because he's walked across the desert. So he sits down at this well. And I imagine, you know, he's rubbing his feet like, man, my feet hurt, man. My feet hurt. And this woman comes out, and she goes to the same well that Jesus is at. Now, the curious thing about this to me is Jesus is sitting here, and he knows that he's thirsty. 
it probably wouldn't take much for him to get some water. You know, he probably could have grabbed one of the stones on the well and said, okay, become water now. And he could have, you know, had all the water that he wanted. But he, he sat down in his thirst, in his need, and then this woman comes out to the well. Jesus knew that he was thirsty. This woman comes out to the well thinking that she was thirsty, but Jesus really saw what her thirst was. But she had no clue. And you may be asking yourself, but she knew that she was thirsty and she was going to get water. So how didn't she have a clue that she was thirsty? Because here's the thing. She came out at noon, probably about the hottest part of the day, when she knew that nobody else would be at that well because she didn't want to go to the well when other people were out there because she was afraid of how other people saw her. Man stealer, been married 50 times. She was ashamed. And so she goes out at a time when nobody is supposed to be there and she sees Jesus sitting there massaging his feet and he asks her for a drink. There's a thirst, there was a thirst in her life that needed to be quenched, but she didn't understand it. She didn't, she didn't even see it. And how true is that of us today? Because it took the living water needing water to open her eyes to her true condition. In business terms, okay, in business, uh, corporations do things like uh, what's called a root cause analysis, okay? And what they do is they take what's seen as a problem that keeps occurring, and they look at the problem, and they say, okay, why is this happening? Because this is happening. Okay, so why is this happening? Because this keeps happening. And they keep going deeper and deeper and deeper, and they get more and more specific until they get to the actual root of the problem. See, many times, what we think is the problem is only just the fruit. And we focus on the fruit because the fruit is easy for us to pick off. We pick that fruit off and we, like, we squish the fruit, we kick the fruit, we throw it away, and we're like, okay, we're good. But fruit grows off of a branch. A branch is attached to a trunk. That trunk goes down into the ground, and that ground is where the roots are. So if the roots are rotten, the fruit is rotten. Amen? Amen. Now, our problems are this. Many times we are too content to just deal with the fruit and call the fruit the ultimate problem of our lives. I have an addiction to porn. That's the ultimate problem in my life. I can't beat it, but I'm just going to try my hardest to get around it. But we never take the time to analyze our roots to see what kind of shape our roots are in. Because again, if the roots are bad, the fruit is bad. What would our lives look like if we performed a root cause analysis? Like we, we, we say the prayer, search me, oh God. Know my heart. Sounds good. People have written songs about it. But what happens when we really say, God, search my heart? I'm, laying, uh, I'm, I'm hiding nothing from you. I'm laying myself bare. What we would find is what we think are the real problems are just the fruit. For example, we think that people don't like us. Even people we've never met. We could be walking by somebody in Walmart, and they look at us, and they say, hello, wrong. Oh, they don't like me. They don't like me at all. That's okay. I don't like them either. But if we do a root cause analysis and look at our roots, we see the problem is we really don't like ourselves. Or we go, you know, we, we go to churches and we're like, oh, the people in this church don't like me. 
They don't like me at all. They want to invite me to D groups. They want to invite me to life groups. They want to ask me to start my own life group. That's proof that nobody likes me because nobody won't invite me. They won't let me serve. They won't let me do this. The church has rejected me. The truth of the matter is you have already rejected the church with your thought patterns coming into it. Or we refuse to forgive. We say people don't change. There's nothing in a person's DNA that will help them change when they make a mistake. That's just who they are from now until the time Jesus comes back. But the truth is, if we look on the inside of ourselves, we will see the person that says, I'm not worthy of forgiveness. I can't change. And so we tend to look at everybody else with those glasses when the problem lies in our heart. And if we say, God, search me, God comes in. And he ignores all of this stuff at the top. He digs deep. He digs deep and it's painful. And we don't want to feel pain. But we forget that part of the, the process is that we have to go through the pain to obtain what God has for us. Y'all ain't talking, but I know that God is speaking in this place. We know that God is the great satisfier. So so many men find safety in thinking that having an affair will satisfy their lives, or women go into things thinking, if I could just have these, uh, these, these shoes, you know, to look good in my heels, that will satisfy my thirst. But that's just circling the problem. You're like the Israelites going around and around and around and arriving nowhere. But this woman, Christ saw, He's sitting on that well and he saw her and he knew that she was thirsty in the worst way. She was dehydrated. She didn't have enough water inside of her body to sustain her. She didn't have enough spirit inside of her body to sustain her. And so that's why Jesus said, if you knew who you were talking to, you would have asked him for the, for the living water and he would have given it to you. Because see, check this out. The way that God created our bodies is mind-blowing. But he created our bodies so that we would know when something is wrong. For instance, let's talk about thirst. When we reach 1% dehydration, our mood and our memory retention suffers. Now, on that pathway, at some point, the parts of our body that are really craving that water the most begin to pull that water from our bloodstream. And when water, is, when water is taken from our bloodstream, our blood is no longer fluid like you see when you cut yourself. It gets really, really thick. And it doesn't move as well as it used to. When that happens, you know that you're in trouble. Because organs are going to shut down because you don't have enough stuff going through your body. The blood's not going through your veins and arteries and capillaries to keep you going. But how many of you know it's the same thing in the spirit? Because if I'm not praying... If I'm not praising God, if I'm not worshiping God, if I'm not talking to God like we're talking right now, like, or how I see you all talking, you know, when we're having meet and greet and everything, if we're not doing those things, if I'm not immersing myself in the Word of God, guess what? Life is steadily pulling whatever spirit I have left in me out. I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, been just so tired, like not physically tired, but spiritually tired. 
Like you just don't know how you're getting through the day. You wake up in the morning after a night full of what should have been restful sleep, but you're still tired. You go to work and you're still tired. You come home and you're still tired. And you're like, I feel good, but I'm just tired. That's your spirit crying out, saying, I'm thirsty. I'm dehydrated. Get me some living water. But she was in a dangerous place. And it took the living water needing physical water. The Holy Spirit is what she needed. She needed that living water in her life. But Jesus provided a solution. Aren't you glad you serve a God who doesn't just show us what the problem is, but he also finds a solution for us? Amen. So this takes us to our second point. Obeying your thirst means watching what you drink. John chapter 4, 11 through 14 says, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can, you get this live, where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. We have to watch what we drink. Because as we know, and it's on the board here, all drinks were not created equal. And see, I know you see on TV because I see it too. Like people will get these sprites or a frappuccino or a cappuccino or a cafe, latte, fufu, Starbucks drink. And they'll crack that thing open and they'll take a sip of it. And then the camera pans in like perfectly and like it takes on a different shade, like happy music starts playing. And then all you hear is, <sighs> But the truth of the matter is that you can't just drink anything and expect it to benefit you. Because what happens is when I'm craving water, but I give my body Sprite, that Sprite goes into my body and immediately begins pulling water out of my system. So that means if I'm already thirsty, I'm already dehydrated, and you give me a soda, that is pulling more life out of my body. So when you're spiritually tired, but you're still not making time to give God more time, thinking that you don't have time to do it, life is vicious. Life will pull and pull and pull. And if you think that you're tired now, just wait until life finishes pulling whatever spirit of God you have left from out of your body. Knowing that you need it, life pulls. The things that we, the things that we go in search of, they pull the spirit of God out of our system. And so Jesus talks to this lady and I'm going to paraphrase because this is the way that the, the, the conversation kind of happened in my brain, okay? All right, so he said, look here, lady. I'm the real deal. Quit drinking Mr. Pib and Surge to try to satisfy your cravings. Sprite lied to you. Coke and Dr. Pepper lied to you, too. And if you knew what those imitation thirst quenches were really doing to you, you drop those zeros and come to the hero. And see, it's, 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 it's the same thing with us. Every day of our lives, Christ is like, hey, I'm the real thing. He sends Ray Charles to you in vision. He's like, you got the right one, baby. And the heavenly choir says, uh-huh. 
But we ignore those things because it's not the, the fancy, shiny, glittering things. That's not where Christ is found. And so we find ourselves looking in the fancy places, in the shiny places, in the high and lofty places for the things to quench our thirst. And Christ is right here saying, but we still don't get it. We settle. When God has created us not to settle, we drink soda because it tastes good. We drink a beer or we drink alcohol because it helps us take the edge off. We try drugs because we're tired of the, the, the reality of our lives and we want to just have just a few minutes of peaceful fantasy to help us keep going. We go to porn because we feel like we're inadequate, so we got to find something that helps us feel like something. Or we turn to idols. Yes. Even in 2016, we still turn to idols. The Israelites, you know the story. Moses is up on, on the mountain having a private audience with God. And God is speaking to him the Ten Commandments. And Moses has his hammer and his chisel, and he's getting it as fast as he can. One word per hour. Now, instead of being at the valley of the mountain having a worship service, like they should have been, they should have had the organs going, they should have had the electric guitar going, the drums should have been going, somebody should have been blowing a shofar, they should have been having an awesome praise service because they knew that when Moses came back down the mountain, they were going to have actual words from God. But instead of them waiting and knowing that God was going to quench their thirst and meet their need, they were building golden cows and having parties that had nothing to do with ushering in the presence of the Most High God. Now, something about that just ain't right to me. But as I thought about it more, God showed me something. The Israelites were used to boundaries and limits. By that, I mean this. They had just come out of slavery. They'd been in slavery for as long as they could remember. And they were used to the Egyptians saying, oh, you might believe in one God, but actually your one God is many gods. And so we worship him in the cows and in the peacocks and in, you know, the sphinx that you're building and, and all of this other stuff. So when you worship all of these things, you're actually worshiping the, the person that you think is your real God. And because those limits were placed upon them, those were the limits that they were used to working with every day of their lives. So they get out in the wilderness. You know, God, and God has done all this amazing stuff. I mean, they've walked across the sea on dry land. I mean, he's been a, a pillar of fire for them at night and a cloud by the day. But they still look at God as this unattainable, incomprehensible being who for all they knew could be leading them to their ultimate demise. And that's why we turn to idols, because we can't grab God and put God into a box. And so because we refuse to open up our box or tear our box up and rip it off, we begin to worship other things. We may worship. We may worship going to a perfect church. We may worship a pastor or a televangelist or an apostle or a prophetess or a bishop. And we may look at these things and say, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. This, this is it. This is, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I need in my life. I'm in a perfect church. I have the perfect pastor. I have all this stuff. Not so fast. 
Because when you're looking to a church, a body of people, or when you're looking to people to be perfect, that's a thirst trap. That stuff will not give you life, but it will kill you. It will kill your spirit. Because the moment that we notice our churches aren't perfect, we jump to another church. Instead of realizing that God put us in a place for a purpose. And listen, I'm not saying that God doesn't tell us to leave churches. And I'm not saying that if God tells you to leave a church, that you shouldn't leave the church. But what I am saying is that if we are thirsting for anything, for a man, for a building, for a ministry, more than we're thirsting for the spirit of the living God, we are not doing it right. We're chasing the wrong things. We are in the wilderness. We are dying. Our spirits are dying. So the problem is, God created us to crave high-quality ingredients. And we look all over the place for high quality when he is the highest quality that there is. And when we realize that God is high quality and that he's what we need to survive, we begin to find ourselves because we've already established that we are 60% water. So when we drink water, we are replenishing parts of ourselves that have been lost to activity over the course of the day, right? So now, how much more when we drink of the living water do we come back to who God created us to be? To that person that God sees every time he looks at us. That highly favored person. That blessed person. That powerful person. When I spend time in the presence of God. When we spend time as a body worshiping God. On our faces with our heads lifted. In times like we just had. We come back to who we are. Our identities are restored. Our purpose is restored. We find out who we were created to be. But see, we have to stop just reaching for the nearest thing that we can find when we get thirsty. I love Kool-Aid and sweet tea as much as the next person. Now, let me clear this up. When I say sweet tea, I don't mean this mess y'all serve in the Midwest. To me, that's just dirty water. Okay, to me, real sweet tea, like that first sip or even just smelling it gives you sugar diabetes. That's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But when I'm thirsty, I have to go to God. I have to go to my, I have to go to my source. And see, Jesus knew that this woman had been drinking diet sodas and salt water. He knew the stuff that she was filling her life with other men was not stuff that was good for her. He knew that the only way that she was going to survive in her dehydrated state was that he revealed himself to be the living water that she needed to survive. Because although she was functioning on the outside, Jesus could peel the veil back. And Jesus saw that she was shriveling up. He saw her spirit. She was crawling. She wasn't walking. She was on her hands and on her knees, just looking for some type of strength to make it through the day. And I think that's some of us here this morning. Because we come into churches and, you know, somebody says, how are you doing? And we're like, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Hallelujah. God has been so good to me. I just can't tell it all. God's been so good. And I just imagine God whipping that veil back 
And God's showing us that so many of us who come into these buildings Sunday after Sunday, or we see people who go to our churches and we want to put up a good front for them in Walmart or in the grocery store. But if God pulled back the veil, how many of us would look shriveled up and dying because we're dehydrated? Which takes us to our last point. When we drink the living water, we come alive. Anybody in here need to come alive this morning? <laughs> that was cute. That was real cute. You know y'all on my list now, right? I was in Walmart the other day. And you know, you go, you can't just check out now. Because they put all this stuff around you to pull your attention. Like, I just want to go check out. Like, I don't want to see M&Ms and Wildberry Skittles and Twix because that stuff makes me weak. And it just makes us spend more money on stuff that we've already spent a bunch of money in Walmart anyway. But anyway, that's for another sermon. So I turn and I look at the drink counter. And I see on the top row, I see Monsters and Amped, and uh, I see the Rockstar drinks, uh, five-hour energies. And then on the middle shelves, I see, like, the uh, root beers and the Pepsis and the Dr. Peppers and all that stuff. Um, and then at the very bottom, the very bottom, I see water. The stuff that's the best for us is, like, on the bottom. Imagine that. The world's crazy, right? And so I pick up, uh, I picked up a can of, of the monster as our musicians come up. I picked up a can of the monster and I turned it over to look at the ingredients list. And I couldn't pronounce anything on there, so I put it back. Now, as a teacher, I see my students hopped up on monsters and rock stars and amped in five hour energies. I do. But what God showed me in this is that the thing behind those energy drinks is not that it keeps you awake. It's that the crash is so horrible, it makes you go back and crave another one immediately after that crash starts hitting. Because we don't want to face the crash. So we go and we reach for another one. We reach for a five-hour energy that may only last 30 seconds. We're reaching for the wrong thing. And what we have to understand is that what we put in will be what we get out. I'll say that again. What we put in is what we will get out. So if you aren't putting the right things into your body, you're not going to get the right things out of your body. Your body's not going to perform the way that Christ created your body to perform. I'll say this in spiritual terms. If you're not putting the living water into your body daily, your spirit is not going to perform the way that God created your spirit to perform. And that doesn't just affect you. That affects everybody around you. You want to know how? I'm glad you asked. So God showed it to me like this. I'm spending so much time in God's presence because God has an inexhaustible well of his presence that he longs to pour out to us. And I'm feeling it. it, it it's just so good to me. Come here, Chris. I need you to be the Holy Spirit for me. So now... I'm with the Holy Spirit. He is my homie, my ace, boon coon. We are tight. We are so tight. And as I'm with him, he's filling up my well. And so I've locked arms with the Holy Spirit, and we're good. 
Now my well is so full being in his presence that it begins to overflow. So what do I do? Mike, come up here and help me. So I go and I find Mike. And so Mike and the Holy Spirit and I, we begin to have a conversation about the goodness of God and what the Holy Spirit has done in my life. And Mike is like, yeah, man, I'm feeling this. And so Mike's well goes from here to here. And then it begins to spill out. Next up, we go see Opie. Come on up here, Opie. Now, we find Opie. Opie's having a hard time right now. But with the Holy Spirit and me and Mike and our wells are full, Opie's well goes from here to here. And he's overflowing. And so the Holy Spirit leads us. Lead us, Holy Spirit. So as the Holy Spirit is leading us, we find Tom. Come on up here, Tom. We find Tom, and Tom's in a life group, but his life is still missing something. So we begin to minister out of the overflow of our lives to Tom. And Tom's well goes from empty to overflowing, and we walk. And we walk, and the Holy Spirit leads us. Now, here's the thing. When a well begins to overflow, what happens to the ground around it? It gets wet. It gets saturated. So as we're walking, and I'm walking into my household, and my well is full, the ground is saturated. My feet are making squishy sounds every time I walk. And I'm walking, and I'm noticing that dreams are being renewed. People are being healed when I pray for them. My faith is on a whole other level. Y'all can't see me. The ground is wet. I'm splashing in Holy Spirit puddles. Because what happens when our wells overflow, God takes our little well. He joins it with Mike's well and Tom's well and Chris's well. And we become one big well from which his presence can affect our church and our community. Because see, this thing ain't about you. It ain't about me. It's about the people who aren't here. The people who are dehydrated that you see in cars riding to work on Monday morning. The people who get on your nerves because they ride slow in the fast lane. Instead of using curse words on them, use some blessed words on them. Let that saturation leak out of your car and splash onto them. We should be living, breathing, splash zones. We should carry bumper stickers on our backs that say, beware. You might get wet with the spirit up in this thing. Anybody want to saturate the ground? Come on. Anybody want to saturate the ground? If you don't get excited about anything else, you should be excited that God wants to saturate your life and saturate the ground around you. And see, here's the thing. Only people who are alive can understand abundance. Remember I said in the beginning that this, if we understand this, that Jesus is the living water, then we understand abundance because Christ came so that we can have an abundant life. But only people who are alive, somebody say alive. Alive. Only people who are alive understand abundance because abundance has nothing to do with what's in your bank account. It has nothing to do with what's on your body. Abundance is found in the presence of God. That's where true abundance is. So now, I want to give you all an illustration, kind of, of what we've been talking about this entire time. Now, I've been talking to y'all for a long time, okay? I'm thirsty, like, really thirsty. Oh, wait, here's a bottle of water. 
Okay, so now, I'm going to bend down, and with the powers of my mind, this bottle of water is going to come to me so that I can drink. Okay, it didn't work that time. Let me try one more time. One more time. Come to me, water. Come. Okay. So in the back of my mind, Jesus is saying, I'm the living water. If any man thirsts, come to me and drink. So maybe I'm doing it wrong, okay? So I'll take one step toward the water and say, come on. Still not coming. I'm so thirsty, so I take another step toward the water. It's still not coming. So something clicks. If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Come and I grab the water. I'm so thirsty right Man, y'all don't even believe how thirsty I am. Pardon me while I take a drink. I came to the water. Shouldn't it be filling my throat right now? There's nothing happening. Jesus said, if any man, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and take a drink. Now I got it. So this is what I have to do. Jesus said, if any man hungers, thirsts, let him come to me and drink. That means that I have to get up off of my lazy backside and go seeking after Jesus. He's not just some genie in a lamp. He's not just somebody that I can get comfortable enough to ring my bell. And Jesus says, oh, here's Justin. Let me run over here to him. I have to run to Jesus. Hey, now. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We need this water. But the reason Jesus tells us to come to him is because we have to step over the ugliness in our lives. We have to step past our sin. We have to step past our shame to get to the living water. And when we get there, he doesn't grab the water and pull it back, but he says, drink long, drink hard, drink deeply. Anybody want to drink this morning? Anybody want to come alive this morning? Hey, well, the Spirit of God is here. He is here for you. And He's ready to fill your well to overflowing. He's ready to saturate your life. And if that's you this morning and you want to respond to this message, I want to invite you to come on down to the altar and let's all get filled in the splash zone together. Let's go, team. Come on, come on, put those hands together. Come on, let's go. Is anybody ready to come alive in this church today? Come on, church. Is anybody come alive today in this church? Come on, we're going to sing it out. Here we go. Because you are, you are, you are my freedom. We lift you higher. You are, you are, you are my freedom. We lift you higher. Come on, everybody. Let's sing it out. It's safe. You are, you are, you are. Hey.
Anybody willing to go to Jesus to get that thirst quenched? Hallelujah. I want to pray over you before we leave this bow. Holy Spirit, thank you for the work you've done before our eyes this morning. We love you for it. We praise you for it. We lift your name up for it. But now we pray, God, that you would saturate our lives. Holy Spirit, saturate our lives. Make our lives one big Holy Spirit experience, one big splash zone. We don't want to be the same. We don't want those around us to be the same. But we want to be wet in your spirit. Anybody with me this morning? And so we pray that you would seal this word in our heart. Let us meditate on it. Let it become life. Let it become peace. Let it become joy. And let it become power for us. We ask this in the name of Jesus we pray. Everybody say. Amen. Y'all be blessed. Have a great week. Enjoy your Labor Day.